listeners, and welcome to another episode of Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. So tonight we'll be talking about owls, which may strike some listeners as odd. In Western culture, owls have traditionally been associated with wisdom, thanks largely in part to their association with Athena. But what if I told you these fluffy, big-eyed birds of the night have more to them? What if owls were at best chaotic neutral agents of change, and at worst, conniving, evil birds that might eat your children or cure alcoholism? The stories today will be Native American stories about owls. I tried finding stories from other cultures, but unfortunately, the most I could come across were anecdotes and one-off facts. But, for fun, let's go over some of the most interesting factoids about owl mythology around the world. To start, the scientific name of the little owl is Athene Noctua, after the goddess Athena. In Cameroon tradition, the owl is considered too evil to name directly, and is instead referred to as the bird that makes you afraid which kind of makes owls the Voldemort of birds. In traditional Arabian mythology, the spirit of a murdered man would continue to wail and weep until his death was avenged. An al-sada, or death owl, would continue to hoot endlessly over the grave of a man whose death had not been avenged. In Aztec mythology, the god of the dead, Miklatkutli, which I know I pronounced wrong, I'm very sorry, was often depicted with owls. In Hindu mythology, The goddess Lakshmi had an owl Vahana, or mount, which is cool as hell. And lastly, Pliny the Elder prescribed owl's eggs as a hangover cure, an idea that seems to have carried on to Old England, where alcoholism was treated by prescribing raw owl eggs. You could even start this treatment early, as a child given this mixture of raw owl eggs was thought to gain lifetime protection against alcoholism. Which seems logical, because if I were given this treatment throughout my childhood, I'd want to avoid drinking strange liquid, too. Now, let's start with some somewhat abstract but very scary owl creatures. In the Apache tradition, we have an owl boogeyman. Big Owl is a monster that can either be a giant horned owl or a man-eating ogre, but regardless of how he looks, he always eats children. Though he has a role to play scaring children, he is important mythologically as an early adversary of the war twins, and in some accounts he eventually gets killed by his own brother, which... I'd imagine as a relief for Apache children. In Seminole folklore, we have an even creepier were-owl, the Stikini. The Stikini were originally evil witches, but, deciding that wasn't enough of a wow factor, they transformed themselves into owl beings. By day, they look like ordinary Seminole people, but by night they vomit up all their internal organs and their soul to become undead owl monsters that prey on humans that go out after dark and eat their hearts. In some communities, the Stikini are taken so seriously that speaking their name is thought to put you at risk for turning into one, and so only certain medicine people can tell Stikini stories. In other communities, though, like Big Owl, the Stikini is used boogeyman-like to frighten children into going to bed. Yeah, because they're really going to sleep after their bedtime story is about undead were-owls that vomit up their souls, eat human hearts, and could be anyone, even your next-door neighbor. Good night, kids! Continuing our theme of owls being generally untrustworthy, we have a Passamaquoddy legend about an owl just looking for love. This story is a bit long, but I'd never heard it before, so I thought some listeners might enjoy this story in its entirety. 
A man and his wife lived at the edge of their village near a stream. They had a beautiful daughter whom many young men wished to marry, but she was just not that into them and rejected them all. Her father, caught between his daughter's wishes and the rejected suitor's anger, promised to give his daughter to the man who could make the embers of his hearth blaze up by spitting on it. Because spitting on fire tends to put it out rather than kindle it, all the young men failed. Now the great horned owl, who ruled over the whole tribe of owls, heard about this contest, and wanting to make the girl his wife, he assumed the shape of a good-looking young hunter and went to his aunt for help. His aunt conveniently lived in the village of the much-contested woman, and while she looked human, she was actually an owl in disguise, too. Once he explained the whole story, the old owl woman handed him a magic potion and said, This should work, and without even a goodbye, Great Horned Owl ran to the lodge where the girl lived. He burst into the lodge and found her father entertaining the tribal elders, among them the chief of the village. Perfect. Old man, said the handsome hunter, who was not at all an owl, is it true you will give me your daughter if I can make your fire blaze up by spitting on these hot ashes? Certainly, young man, said the father. If you can do that, I will indeed let you have her. The hunter immediately spat on the glowing embers, which blazed into a mighty flame reaching to the ceiling of the lodge. Since the girl could not refuse after her father had made his promise in front of the elders and the chief, the hunter seized her by the hand and took her with him to his lodge. Just like that, without even a goodbye. At their new lodge, the girl's handsome new husband spread out soft bear robes for her and was apparently a perfect gentleman, waiting on his new wife hand and foot. It seemed like everything had turned out better than expected from a forced marriage. Her husband had weird yellow eyes, but not everyone's perfect, and it did seem like he would take care of her. And so the girl was... content. That is, until the next morning. The now-married woman woke up early the next morning and turned to gaze at her sleeping husband, and saw his ears sticking up from his long, thick black hair, and his yellowish eyes, half open even while he was asleep, had... slitted pupils, kind of like... an owl. Oh no, her husband was a great horned owl. The girl let out a piercing scream and fled back to her family's lodge. The handsome man-owl left the village in a hurry, because presumably his new wife had told the whole village who he really was. I mean, wouldn't you talk about the fact that you accidentally married a great horned owl? Great horned owl was clever, though. He would win his wife back another way. The owl chief waited a while for the villagers to calm down. Then, he changed himself into another good-looking, but entirely different, young man. He killed a moose and an elk, and dragged the humongous amount of food to the village. Which, not so subtle, dude. And announced to the people, I have come as a friend from another camp nearby. I belong to your people and speak the same language, and I want to live here. I'm a great hunter and a generous man. I am putting up a lodge, and as you can see, I have a little extra meat. How about we have a feast? At first, the young woman and her parents were suspicious. But everyone else, fear forgotten, said, He seems like a nice guy. It would be rude not to go just because you think he might be an owl. And so the girl and her family went to the feast, too. While the villagers were feasting, the handsome new guy said, Let's tell stories. Has anybody had something strange, remarkable, or funny happen to him? Or her. I don't know. Just asking. Smooth. When it was the girl's turn, she looked straight at the young hunter and said, I have a story, but my story must be told in a whisper, so in order to hear it, 
you have to put your hair back and uncover your ears. The other guests, eager for some juicy gossip, smiled and did as she said. But the young stranger laughed nervously and said, Uh, my hearing is fine, thanks. I don't need to uncover my ears. But everyone else laughed and chanted, Oh, come on, uncover them, uncover them. Hey, hey, I'm your host, the young hunter owl said nervously. You're all being rude. Stop chanting at me. But everyone just chanted louder, uncover them. Come on, uncover them. This was all too much for the owl's very good hearing, and he stood up. All right, fine. Here, look. Throwing back his hair, he uncovered his ears that were standing up like horns. And just like that, the party was over. The great horned owl's aunt was tired of her nephew coming to complain to her, and frankly, thought the girl was being a little overdramatic and rude. This young wife of yours is far too clever, she told him. We must make something to outwit her. And so, having the power of a great sorceress, she created a magic flute that would lure any girl into the arms of the man who played it. Which, why they didn't lead with that, I have no idea. Owls, am I right? The great horned owl, again disguised as a man, tried to find his wife alone so he could play the magic flute for her. But the young woman and her parents weren't idiots, and just to be on the safe side, they put their lodge right in the center of the village. The weeks went by as he waited for the opportunity to get near his wife. At last, one day the would-be owl wife said to herself, You know, it's been a long time. The great horned owl has probably forgotten all about me by now, while I sit here bored and afraid for no reason. It's time for me to go for a walk in the woods, like old times. Meanwhile, the great horned owl was sitting high in a huge tree brooding. I'm wasting my time. My wife is so afraid of me that she just stays in the middle of the village all day. It's hopeless. I need to get over her. But just as he thought that, like a bad rom-com, he saw someone coming through the woods. With his sharp owl's eyes, he recognized her, though he could hardly believe it. Now is his chance. The girl came right to the foot of the big tree. Unaware of her husband's presence, she sat down and said to herself, It's so nice that I can walk in the forest again without being afraid of owls. This is great. Then she heard the most beautiful song. It was a flute, played better than anything she had ever heard. She listened contently, closing her eyes. Now this, I could marry someone who plays the flute as well as this, she thought. Then the great horned owl swooped softly down upon her, seized her gently in his huge talons, and carried her off to the village of owls. And we just don't know what happens after that. Hopefully the two manage to work it out. You know, if the woman manages to get past the whole tricking and kidnapping her thing. For our last story, let's turn things around a bit. Even when owls are considered bad guys, it doesn't always mean they're bad guys. This last story is a story from the Ojibwe oral tradition. There was once a little boy called Redfeather who lived with his great-grandfather. His great-grandfather taught him to shoot with his bow and arrows. They lived in a village near a great big frog meadow. Springtime came, and in the evening the frogs would croak and wait for unsuspecting crawfish to eat for supper. And every day Redfeather would take his bow and arrow into the meadow and kill all the frogs and crayfish he could find leaving their tiny bodies where they lay. One day a heron came along and told Redfeather that she would give him her best feather if he would just leave the frogs alone. She explained that she had a nest of babies to feed and he was wasting all of her food by killing all the frogs and crayfish. Redfeather very rudely replied, 
Ha! I don't want your dirty old feathers. You can keep your feathers and leave me alone. I do what I want. As if that wasn't bad enough, near Redfeather's village, there was an island with some large trees, and on it lived a very old, very wise owl. Every evening, Redfeather would go out and refuse to come to bed, making as much noise as possible and running around in the dark, which scared away all the rabbits and small birds that the crane, the owl, and many other birds ate. No one could live in peace, and everyone was very hungry. So the birds had a meeting to figure out what to do about Redfeather, because he was making life difficult for a lot of them. One evening, the owl perched himself close to Redfeather's wigwam and said, Hoo, hoo! Redfeather's great-grandfather said to him, Redfeather, come in. Don't you hear that owl calling? But Redfeather said, I'll just get the biggest arrow and shoot him. Grandfather replied, The owl has large ears, and he can put rabbits and other food in them. He might catch you too. You'd better come in and go to sleep. But Redfeather disobeyed his great-grandfather yet again and went out and shot at the owl. But the thing is, if you shoot at an owl, you'd better not miss. And so of course he missed, and while he was bent down looking for the arrow, the owl swooped down, picked him up, and stuck him in his ears, flying off with the child. Owl flew across the lake to his island and up to an old oak tree where his nest full of owlets was. He put Redfeather down there and told his babies, When you get big enough to eat meat, you can eat Redfeather. The little owlets were quite excited about this, taking nips at the unarmed and presumably terrified Redfeather. Then the owl flew away and left his adorable fluffy babies with Redfeather, which seems a little weird, but I digress. The next day, the owl called to the herons and the other birds and said, Hey, I have a solution to all our problems. When your babies are old enough, we'll all just eat Redfeather. I have him up in my old oak tree. Meanwhile, back in the village, everyone knew Redfeather was gone. Presumably because it was quieter? His great-grandfather asked all of the living beings to help him find Redfeather, and because his great-grandfather was a good man, they found him prisoner in the owl's tree. The spirits told great-grandfather to give a great feast and ask the owl to return Redfeather. His great-grandfather then set out a huge feast, and all the birds partied and ate as much as they could. Their babies wouldn't starve to death. Full and content, owl relented and Redfeather was returned to his great-grandfather. Redfeather also promised that he would never again misuse the food that had been made for the birds, which is the least he could do. So that is going to do it this week for owls. I know this was a long one, and it wasn't very sciency, but the stories were too good to cut down, so I hope you enjoyed them. If you want more, there's an owl mini-episode up on the Patreon for Monster Gawker subscribers and above. If you're curious about any of these stories, check the show notes to find out more. Intro music is by Scott Ethington. As I said last time, we have an email now, monstersadvocatepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for topics, cool info about past monsters, or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of, please write in and let me know. Lastly, if you like what you heard, please rate and review on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening, and remember, anyone can be a monster.